I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I think it's important because number one, many of us are living our life beneath our potential because we have pegged our potential to another person, Mm -hmm. just not realizing what God has placed on the inside of us. And Mm -hmm. so to your point, we basically set our sights on what another person has done or has achieved. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the richest place on earth is the cemetery because there are so many people who died Mm -hmm. full of unrealized potential. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Welcome to She. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am really looking forward to this conversation about comparison and how we can tackle that. But before we dig into all of the tactical questions and all the things I want to ask you, I'd love if you can share a little bit more of your story and your background, as well as what led you to choose to write about overcoming comparison. (laughs) Um, Well, I'll try to keep it super concise. (laughs) um, But I will say, Honestly, it is my background and my upbringing that I think really created the conditions under which I wrote the book. So just very quickly, I was raised in a home with a mom who had never wanted to have children. Um, she, she had been married to my father for actually 13 years before she found out she was pregnant. He was super excited, but he passed away shortly before my second birthday. And Aww. so uh, my mother moved us to the other side of the country and she got involved with a guy who became her live-in boyfriend. And uh, I was about five years old when he moved in. And unfortunately, shortly after he moved in, he became sexually abusive to Aww. me. And my mom similarly became verbally abusive and physically abusive. Mm. And so there were a lot of things that were done to me, a lot of things that were Mm. said to me that frankly fractured my identity. Mm. And uh, I didn't grow up in a a Christian household. You know, I, my husband and I have a church now. And so I have Mm. a really good understanding of who I am in God. But at that point, at that formative stage, you know, I didn't know who I was beyond the words that were spoken over me. Mm. So when I was told that I was, you know, ugly, or I was told that I was fat, I was told that I was Mm. not smart. uh, All of these words that were spoken over me really made me believe that I just, I wasn't good enough. And so there's many more details in that, but it brings me to 
writing Killing Comparison because, you know, what, what really catalyzed writing it is I've been so blessed in my life. You know, career have been amazing, married to an awesome man. I get to, you know, write books and speak all over the world. And, and all of these things are amazing. But uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a full year of speaking engagements. I had two books that were supposed to come out in 2020. And I, I'll never forget when my speaking engagements got canceled because of all these events got canceled. Mm-hmm. I was uh, on Instagram one morning and uh, I was going on there just to respond to comments, but I caught a glimpse of my news feed mm-hmm. and uh, a friend of mine made a post and she was talking about how excited she was because she was going to be speaking at this huge women's conference that had went virtual because of the pandemic. And uh, I saw her post and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I scrolled down a little more and I saw another friend who was like, Hey, I'm speaking at this huge women's conference. I'm so excited, you know, get registered. And I was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I kept scrolling down and it was like friend after friend after friend was posting about speaking at this conference. Mm-hmm. And I knew all the speakers and I also knew the host. And suddenly there was a question that raised up in my spirit, which was like, why wasn't I invited Mm -hmm. to speak? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why wasn't I invited to speak? And I was like, why was I not good enough? Like, Mm -hmm. what was wrong with me? Why didn't I measure up? Why her, not Mm me? And I think, you know, when I started to really pray about what was going on, I realized at that point that despite all that I had, I was insecure because my identity had become secured to things like people's approval, Mm -hmm. being invited, being included, being chosen. And um, that's really what kind of catalyzed the whole process of writing the book Mm -hmm. is realizing that the things I had gone through as a child really set the stage for my identity to be so fragile. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is it makes so much sense, but gosh, what a what a tough thing to walk through and to then overcome. But I think I really I think the thing that I take away from that is even when you've done so much to work to place your identity in Christ or to you know overcome comparison and and unlearn some of those things that were maybe spoken over you or taught to you or that you internalized as a child, whether it was a story like yours or something else it can come back up. And I think sometimes we think like, if I overcome comparison or overcome this insecurity, it's going to be gone forever and I'll be good. And I think just even sharing a more recent example is very like honest and and important for us to talk about because I think sometimes we think like, oh, if I struggle with it or if it comes up again, I failed or I never, I'm not overcoming it. When in reality, I think it's an ever working, ever evolving process of like, overcoming the next battle and the next challenge and the next lie that may creep up. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. I think the the thing that we tend to believe, which is is a falsehood, is we believe, well, if I just achieve X, mm-hmm. then I will be secure. Mm-hmm. If I just get married, mm-hmm. then I'll be secure. If I just get the promotion, mm-hmm. then I'll be secure. If I had that bag, then I'll be secure. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you get those things and then you realize that there are people who still have a so-called 
better marriage. Mm-hmm. There are people who have an even bigger title. Mm-hmm. There are people who have a more expensive bag. And so you end up on this like hamster wheel of comparison calculus mm-hmm. where you're trying to constantly figure out, you know, where do I measure up against mm-hmm. these other people? Mm-hmm. And we were not created. This is one of the insights that God gave me as I was going through my own process of getting free from comparison born insecurity mm-hmm. is that we were not created to use one another as the measuring stick for our worthiness. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Jeremiah chapter one and verse five, it says something really profound that we tend to miss. Mm -hmm. Many people think that life begins at conception. They say, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, life begins in the womb when the sperm meets the egg. But in Jeremiah chapter one and five, God says, before I Mm -hmm. formed you in the womb, I knew you. Mm -hmm. So in other words, actually before the sperm met the egg, Mm -hmm. we had an identity. We had a purpose. We had uh, a calling. Like there there was something unique about us before conception. And so what happens is when we are born and we begin to see other people and what they have and what they're doing, we can ultimately end up, if we're not careful, shrinking our purpose and our potential down Mm -hmm. in order to fit into uh, what we see other people doing. Mm -hmm. And so you may, as an example, like, you know, as a podcaster, you may be like, man, I could just have, you know, a million downloads, then that would be awesome because you see somebody else with a million downloads. But what if God created you to reach 5 billion people? Mm -hmm. What happens is we settle Mm. for what we think success is because we see somebody else doing it. And that's why we have to keep our eyes on God and God only Mm -hmm. because what he has for us is never going to uh, in any way be contingent on anybody else. Yeah. It's so true. And I also think just to piggyback off what you're saying, it's the reality that I think um, comparison is always based on something relative, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's either compared to someone else or compared to your expectation for what it should be Mm -hmm. or should look like. And it's like, God is so outside of that like out of outside of that realm. (laughs) And so like you said, if you are comparing yourself to someone who you think is ahead of you, that's relative to where you are now. But in the grand scheme of what God may actually have, it could actually be a really low bar to set, even though it seems like such a high bar from where you're sitting right now. And I I think that that's such an important thing to talk about because so often we always compare up, right? I've I've heard it said like we always compare to the person who has you know, one more bedroom in their house or, you know, one more, you know, Mm -hmm. success in their business or whatever it might be. And, um, I think we can really get stuck in the, in the viewing of the person who's a level above us and have no idea what's actually for us. And I think that is so convicting because man, we do not think bigger like than we can really see. And so we just look at the Mm -hmm. next level. That's Uh, it. That's it. So good. (laughs) Well, I think kind of, In tandem with that, the next question I was going to ask is why it's so important to overcome comparison in order to pursue your dreams. And I think you kind of touched on that with this point, but I'm curious if you have any other thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I think it's important because number one, many of us are living our life beneath our potential because we have pegged our potential to another person, Mm -hmm. just not realizing what God has placed on the inside of us. And Mm -hmm. so to your point, we basically set our sights on what another person has done or has achieved. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the richest place on earth is the cemetery. 
because there are so many people who died Mm. full of unrealized potential because they just were like, well, as long as I can keep everybody happy, Mm -hmm. then I will have succeeded in life. So I think that's, that's one thing. The reason why we have to conquer this is because we're living beneath our potential. Mm -hmm. The second reason we have to conquer this is because so many of us are walking around in a state of depression and discouragement. Because we see other people's success as our failure. Mm -hmm. When we see somebody else win, we feel that we've lost. And that's not God's design. That's not his intention. But the reason why we feel that way is because there is toxic comparison in our heart. And I want to be clear, not all comparison is bad. The way that I think about comparison is that it can have one of two outcomes. So Physiologically, when you inhale air into your lungs, when you take a breath in, that's a process known as inspiration. Mm -hmm. To inspire air is to take air in. And when you breathe in, you feel alive, you feel Mm -hmm. energy, you feel, uh, you feel invigorated. Mm -hmm. So when you see someone else and you're able to uh, experience healthy comparison, you will experience inspiration. You will mm-hmm. see their success as something that activates your potential. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, when you exhale air out of your lungs, that's a physiological process known as expiration, mm-hmm. which is why when a person takes their last breath, it's called their expiration date. Mm-hmm. When you expire air, you feel fatigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel exhausted. Uh, you may even struggle to breathe. And so toxic comparison, it expires us. When we Mm -hmm. see somebody else and they're winning and we start to feel discouraged, that's because we're we're basically feeling toxic comparison. Mm -hmm. And so what I encourage people to do is, number one, really figure out which type of comparison is dominating your life. Mm -hmm. Because social media gets blamed all the time Mm -hmm. for causing insecurity But while social media definitely exposes our insecurity, it is not the cause of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two people can see the same post. One -hmm. person can walk away inspired. Another person can Mm -hmm. walk away expired. Mm -hmm. It's really a question of our heart. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that toxic comparison is stealing joy from so many of us Mm -hmm. um, because we're allowing it to take up residence in our heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I love how you said that there can be a healthy level of comparison because when you are inspired or motivated by something, not to mm-hmm. outdo or like, you know, beat somebody, but just because you're like, oh, wow, it like awakens your own potential. But if you think about how many people have stepped into their dreams because they've been inspired by someone else, like that's a good thing. So it's not, I, I think that differentiation is really, really critical because otherwise I think if we're just having this conversation about why comparison is bad or why it can be harmful, it can create a lot of confusion when we're like, well, what about when I see so-and-so like killing it at her business or her ministry or whatever she's doing? And it inspires me to like kind of pick up the slack and get going again. You know, like I think that that's so important. So I'm glad you differentiated that. That was a really, really helpful explanation. So something else that I want to touch on too is especially like when it comes to work and when it comes to your God-given calling and your potential, I'd be curious what your thoughts are on how comparison can affect your confidence and how you show up for those you serve. Like not just your confidence in like, oh, I feel good today, but more like how confidently and well you serve others, whether you do that through ministry or you do that through business. Oh man, comparison, toxic comparison in particular, uh, it is a confidence killer mm-hmm. because what it does is it places a seed of doubt 
in your heart. And wherever there is doubt, there can't be confidence because confidence is synonymous with assurance. Mm. And if you, for example, uh, let's say you, you feel like, all right, God has called me to serve as a Sunday school teacher. Um, and you're serving and you're giving your all. And let's say you're serving, you know, the middle school age range. And there's another person and they're similarly serving the middle school age range. And it seems like their class every Sunday is just overflowing. But your class every Sunday has like three or four kids in it. And you're just like, man, what am I doing wrong? I mean, look at what, look at what's happening over there. Like, look at all the the kids that are going through that class. Like, what am I doing wrong? Comparison, toxic comparison will make you think something is wrong with you. And, And what it does is again, it robs you of purpose because what you may not realize, and we'll talk about this in a minute when it comes to getting free from comparison, what you may not realize is that everything about you is ordained by God for you. So let's say, for example, you have those four kids that are coming. No, you may not have 200 kids coming, but those four kids are assigned to you. And that means that there's something on the inside of you that God wants them to get from you. And so there's something that that you really have to focus on in order to deliver your purpose to what's in front of you. But yeah, toxic comparison will kill your confidence. I know people, I know pastors who have left ministry because their attendance wasn't as big as another church they were comparing Mm. themselves to. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that the calling of God somehow left them. Mm -hmm. It's that they were so busy um, measuring their worthiness against this artificial standard Mm -hmm. that they felt like, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it will kill your purpose. Mm. So true. So true. Um, Speaking kind of in the same lane as like professional and at a like when you are walking into your professional journey or taking a professional you know maybe pivoting professionally or whatever um i'd be curious what what encouragement you'd offer to those who are at the start of a, a professional journey or starting a business or a side hustle or something that they're feeling like they want to step into what encouragement would you offer them if they're struggling with comparison as they get started with that so here's the thing um Like I said, comparison can have one of two forms. If you're finding yourself feeling discouraged or maybe you're, you know, questioning whether uh, what you're doing is right because maybe somebody else seems to be more fruitful. um, I would strongly recommend one one thing. And that is, of course, prayer. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's really an opportunity to pray and be like, all right, is this what I need to be doing in this season? And if you know that your motivation for what you're doing um, is pure. Like, for example, I know people who have launched businesses and podcasts and all types of stuff, not because they felt called to do it, but just because they saw somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the first indicator that the motivation is wrong. But if you know your motivation is right, um, this would be an opportunity for you to reframe the trigger of your toxic comparison. Mm-hmm. And what reframing does is it helps you change your vantage point. It helps you change your point of view. Mm -hmm. So let's say, you know, you're comparing yourself to another business owner. It seems like they're thriving and they're flourishing while you're struggling. To reframe it is to say, hmm, I wonder what I can learn from them. What if someone handed you a roadmap with the exact steps you need to finally make that passion or side hustle of yours an official business set up from start to finish in less than a week? Well, you're in luck. That is what I am handing you in my program called The Starter. 
From legally protecting your business and organizing your finances to building a standout brand and getting started with sales skills, you'll have the steps you need to succeed in the right order so you can focus on doing the fun parts you love and rest easy knowing all the business stuff is completely taken care of. Look, I know how overwhelming it is to start a business. Seven years ago, I started my very first small business out of a storage closet in college. Yes, really, because I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mama one day in my future. But when I was first getting started, I didn't really think of it as a business. I was just doing something I enjoyed and making extra cash here and there. But as I made sales to friends of friends and eventually to complete strangers on the internet, tax time rolled around and I realized I needed to get my ducks in a row. If that sounds familiar, and if you want to learn how to take your idea, talent, or side hustle and set it up to be a legit small business the headache-free way, the starter is for you. We have had thousands of women just like you go through this program and not only launch their business, but several of them have made six figures in their business in their first year. So here's the deal. The starter is open this week. And if you enroll this week, you will get access to some pretty sweet bonuses, including a template suite, which includes a brand style guide template, a business budget template, and several more templates. Plus what I call the resource bundle, you'll get access to worksheets, workflows, and checklists to guide your progress as you build your business. And you'll also get access to two coaching calls with me during the first few weeks of this program. So you can get all your questions answered and really have your hand held as you start to set up and launch your business. So if this sounds like something you need, go to learn.theownitacademy.com slash starter or tap the link in the show notes and grab your seat this week. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. 
Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. What are they doing that's enabling them to thrive? What are they doing that's enabling them to flourish? So it's no longer about the competition. Uh, It's no longer about feeling like you're not measuring up. Now it's, okay, they're doing something and I need to learn from it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not seeing them as a threat. Now I'm really seeing them as an opportunity to learn and to grow. So Mm -hmm. I would strongly recommend learning to reframe the trigger of your insecurity Mm. um, to become an opportunity to learn and grow. Yeah, I love that. It's so simple to reframe your thoughts, but not. I think think it can be easier said than done until you have a prompt. And I think you just gave a really good prompt of like, when that starts to come up, ask, what can I learn from them versus what am I doing wrong? Or why are they, why is, you know, this is unfair or whatever, just shifting the way you're looking at it makes such a huge difference. I would also love to hear your thoughts on what the Bible has to say about comparison. Cause we've talked a little bit about how it can affect ministry and your God given calling and things like that. But from like a biblical perspective, what have you found in your digging into that? Well, a a couple of things. So first and foremost, um, I think it's so important to be explicit when I say, you can memorize every scripture there is on being fearfully and wonderfully made Mm -hmm. and how deeply you are loved and you're a royal priesthood and peculiar people. You can memorize all those scriptures in your head, but your problem is not what you know in your head. It's really what you believe in your heart. And so I think for many of us, we know the things to say. We know the scriptures, we know the affirmation, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to what we believe in our heart, we don't necessarily believe those things to be true. Mm-hmm. And so there's a story in the Bible and I, I, I'd love everybody to just, you know, on your own time, read it starting in the book of first Samuel chapter 13, where if you read over, you know, the next, you know, eight or nine chapters, you're going to, to find that there are three main characters in this section of scripture. Um, the first is King Saul, which most people know who Saul is. Uh, and then there is David. Uh, he was the son of Jesse. He's the guy who killed Goliath. Um, well, when he killed Goliath, King Saul enlisted him in his army and David became a mighty warrior. He became somebody um, who the people loved and approved of. And there was a, a period where Saul and David had went out to battle. They were victorious with the army. They come into town 
And Saul overhears the people singing this song where they say, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Mm. And so when Saul overhears it, the Bible says that he began to eye David from that point on. And by eye him, it means that uh, his insecurity was triggered and he became jealous of David. Mm. And he actually made some statements where he was like, really afraid that David was going to take the kingdom because he was like, if the people approve of David, um, then they're going to give him the kingdom. But there's a third character in that story that doesn't get talked about a lot, but it's so important. And his name is Jonathan and he is Saul's son. He is the heir to the kingdom. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is in the same scene where, you know, Saul's insecurity gets triggered and the people are celebrating David in that exact same scene, Jonathan walks over to David. He hands him his garment. He gives him his weapons. Um, and Jonathan became David's best friend. Mm -hmm. The reason why this is important is because Saul says something in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 31 that gets overlooked. He said to Jonathan, because this was a period where Jonathan was uh, defending David to his father because Saul said he wanted to kill David. And Saul said to Jonathan, like, do you not know that as long as the son of Jesse lives, neither you nor your kingdom will be established? Hmm. And yet, despite that, despite the fact that the only person David was really a threat to was Jonathan, despite that, Jonathan loved David and hmm. he supported and encouraged and protected David. Jonathan didn't see David as a threat. And the reason he didn't see David as a threat is because if you go early into 1 Samuel chapter 14, when you're introduced to Jonathan, you find out that unlike his father, Jonathan had a relationship with God for real. Mm -hmm. uh, he went into a situation where, um, you know, Israel didn't have any weapons. The only people that had weapons were uh, Saul and Jonathan. And Jonathan goes and he attacks the Philistines who Israel was at war with. He attacks them by himself. His father had 600 soldiers with him and his weapons. Jonathan went by himself with his young armor bearer and attacked the Philistines. And he made a statement in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and 6, where he said, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Mm -hmm. That story is so important because it teaches us how to kill comparison, mm -hmm. which is placing the full weight of your identity in who God is mm -hmm. and who God says you are mm -hmm. and celebrating the people who are successful, celebrating the people who are favored by God instead of seeing them as a threat. Jonathan, to me, is the hero of that whole story. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that I think we can learn how to have a secure identity from. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up because you're right. Everyone brings up the like, you are fearfully and wonderfully made verse. And mm -hmm. while that's like super sweet and encouraging, I think actually having like real characters to learn from and to, you know, we can find ourselves in that situation, even if it may not be a taking over the kingdom and battle and all of those kind of things. We have our own versions of that in our life in, in the whether it's succeeding in business or, you know, succeeding in family or whatever the areas of our life are that are important to us. We can so easily feel threatened by others who seem to be doing it better or seem to have had more favor in that area. And I love that you brought up kind of the unassuming character that actually is probably such a more important role than we even realize. Thank you for sharing that story. That is something I've never heard put that way, but really, really powerful to think about and to dig into. 
Yeah, it was one of those situations where I, I myself had not looked at that story very deeply, but mm. um, around the same time when, you know, the whole thing happened with the, the women's conference, mm. I was reading through the book of first Samuel and I really feel like, you know, God is, he's just so sovereign. Mm. Um, I feel like all of that was orchestrated in that moment for me to see that story differently. And now I'm like, man, mm. I want to be like Jonathan. <laughs> mm, totally. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go. Uh, I kind of want to dig into it now. I want to actually go read the story. Um, I, cause I have, but it's been years and I never pulled that, like took that away from it. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Another thing I want to touch on too, kind of piggybacking off some of the, the lessons we can learn there. I'd be curious what you say, what you would say to, how we could identify uh, the root cause that's leading us or causing us to compare ourselves to other people or to kind of get stuck in that toxic comparison. I mean, it sounds to me like ultimately the root cause is having a misplaced identity, right? But I think yeah. I think my question is like even more specifically, like is there – would you give any encouragement or would your advice be to try to dig into, okay, well, where did that get disrupted? Like what what voices in your life – like I'm just curious to how specific you would get with trying to identify the root cause. One of the questions that I talk extensively about in the book that's really important to lean into is when you start to feel uh, – and you know, we all feel it. You start to feel that toxic comparison bubble up mm-hmm. in your heart – you have to ask the question, like, not why wasn't I invited or why was I overlooked mm-hmm. or why heard at me? You really have to ask the question, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why does it matter? What's, what's happening on the inside of you that has made seeing this person succeed to feel like a failure? Like, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. And asking that question enough times mm-hmm. will help you really begin to get to the bottom of what is really at the root of this insecurity. And we have to get to the root of it. I think a lot of times we spend so much time and energy denying insecurity Mm -hmm. when we could apply that same energy to defeating it. Mm. Um, If somebody would have told me, I don't know, three, four years ago, no, no, you're insecure. I would have been like, absolutely not. Like, Mm. look at all I have going on. Look at all that I'm doing. Of Mm. course, I'm not insecure. But it took that moment, that experience of being left out for God to be able to show me me and for me to be able to to be humble enough to say, wait a minute, there mm-hmm. is something here and I need to, to excavate it. And, and ultimately, I think uh, one of the things I also talk about in the book is uh, words matter. Words really matter. And the words that are spoken over us shape our understanding of our identity. Mm-hmm. So many of us are actually dealing with comparison because people have said things to us mm. that have made us feel like we're not good enough. Yeah. I mean, I remember my husband and I, we were married for five years before uh, we got pregnant and, you know, we had to go through a lot to get pregnant. Mm. And around that time, people would say things like, you know, why haven't you given him any babies? Mm. And, you know, you need to stop working so much and stop wearing all those heels and, and all these people's just toxic words made me feel like I was less than a woman mm-hmm. because I wasn't able to get pregnant. And they had no idea mm-hmm. what I was struggling with. They didn't know what we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, but those words matter. And so we do have to begin to ask, what words have been spoken over me that I received as true, mm-hmm. that have, have been allowed to shape my understanding of who I am? Mm-hmm. And that'll help you get to the bottom of it. Yeah. 
That's so good. I think that your point at the beginning too, we like tend to deny insecurity. Mm -hmm. I think we think if we just ignore it, we overcome it. And what I'm hearing, and I think what's so wise about what you're saying is, no, actually, if you seek to understand it and you pause and you look at it and you put it under a magnifying glass and you dig into it and you go, where is this even coming from? That's how you're actually going to overcome it. Because if you don't understand it and you just keep ignoring it and burying it, it's going to keep coming up. And I think that's the case with any feeling. But I think especially when it comes to insecurity and comparison and kind of those two things in tandem – we think we overcome it by just trying not to think about it or trying not to feel it or ignoring the feelings. And it's like, no, that's not overcoming anything. It's just stuffing it in the closet for only for it to come out stronger the next time. So yeah, I, I love that that kind of invitation to like seek to understand it. Try to dig into what voice or what words have been spoken or where what experience is kind of informing maybe where this is coming from. And it takes some work, I think, because I think sometimes we don't always identify the initial root cause. Maybe we kind of get an idea, but I think it takes some intention, but it, it really does help to really dig into. So I'm really thankful for that um, explanation, but also yeah, for you sharing I- your story too with that. Oh, for sure. And I, I share uh, in the book a framework for how to do that exploration mm-hmm. because sometimes sometimes it's the way that we feel mm-hmm. that gives uh, that gives hint, mm-hmm. that gives a hint that something's going on. So it mm-hmm. could be uh, a feeling of sadness or mm-hmm. anger or fear or disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that becomes the opportunity to, to ask the question, like, man, why am I feeling this way? Mm. Um, because it's not always going to be, you know, thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, that's not fair. Like mm. many times we've been conditioned not to think that. Mm-hmm. So we won't think it, but we can't deny our feelings. Yeah. While we may be able to deny our thoughts, we can't deny our feelings. Yeah. So it's like, man, I feel like uh, this was unfair or I mm-hmm. feel like I'm not as successful because of what I'm seeing. And that helps to get to the the bottom of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The last question I want to ask, and this is something you touched on in the beginning when you were sharing your story about the event and feeling left out, but I think this can apply in so many different areas, um, especially professionally. So my question is, even sometimes I think when we experience success professionally or in our careers or our callings, we may still struggle with insecurity or feel unsatisfied when we get to the level we mm-hmm. thought we wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. So I would be curious what practical tips or encouragement you can give to us if we find ourselves still struggling with comparison or still feeling unsatisfied, even when we hit the level or hit the you know place where we thought we would feel successful. First of all, I love this question. Um, and I love it because I, I do think that so many of us have this, we have this like, uh, manufactured goalpost in our mind where it's like, if I just get to this place, this status, this achievement, then I'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that we have a latent power on the inside of us that we have to learn to exercise. Um, and that is humility. Mm-hmm. What humility is, is first of all, it's given such a bad name. Like people think humility is thinking lowly of yourself mm-hmm. or degrading yourself. That's not it at all. Humility is simply uh, fully occupying the lane of life that God has given to you at any given moment mm-hmm. without looking into other people's lane to try to figure out where you measure up in mm-hmm. comparison yeah. to them. Um, the thing about your lane is that there's no one in front of you and there's no one behind you, like in your lane. And so I think the way to, in many ways, defeat this idea that, oh gosh, I need to achieve one more thing, do one more thing, mm-hmm. is to know that as long as you are fully occupying 
the lane of life that God has given to you in that moment, that is the most that you need to be doing in that moment and, and fully occupy it with excellence. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, the other day, I was at a wedding and I was speaking to uh, a pastor's wife. She leaned over to me and she said, can you please give me some advice? She said, because I just feel like I'm not doing enough. She was like, you know, my kids are young and I just feel like I'm not doing enough at church. I feel like I'm not doing enough with them. Um, I have these ideas for business I want to start, but I'm not doing enough with that. And I said to her, I said, you have to realize that life is lived in seasons. Mm -hmm. And I know that oftentimes what gets glorified is this idea of doing it all and having it all and being Mm -hmm. it all. But you cannot carry a snowball into summer. Mm -hmm. It's going to melt, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, if you have little children that need your time and attention, that's a season. They're going to grow older and they're not going to need your time and attention as more. Um, your church right now may have needs that you can't necessarily meet. And so what that means is maybe that's an opportunity to, you know, raise up some other people mm-hmm. who can help serve. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's kind of like releasing yourself from the pressure mm-hmm. of having to be all and do all mm-hmm. so that you can be excellent in the lane God has placed you in at that moment. Yeah. So good. I completely relate. And I think your advice is spot on too, because I think we forget like life is lived in phases. Like there's, there's reasons we have different times in our lives. Sometimes it's a push season professionally and sometimes it's a pullback and really invest into your health or your family or, you know, and it's not that you can't steward your family well if you have a small business or if you're working or a pastor's wife. But I think when you feel like I have to be giving 100% to all things and I'm feeling like I'm failing at that, (laughs) that's I think that's where the myth of like you can have it all and do it all is truly a myth. Like, But we hear it and we think like, oh, because I've been hearing that and I've been conditioned to thinking that, I've begun to believe that in order to succeed, I I should want to have it all. I should want to do it all. And so therefore I'm trying and it's not working. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I really appreciate you just kind of saying like, hey, this is this is okay, you know. Um, okay, last question I want to ask is where can everyone, A, get your book, Killing Comparison, and any other amazing works you've created and also learn more from you? This has been such a rich conversation, and I think there's so much more we can unpack if we had more time. But I would love if we can just find out where to grab your book and where to learn more and follow you. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Um, people can simply visit killingcomparison.com. Um, you can order the book from a number of different outlets and they are listed on the website. Um, and you can find me on all the socials. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Um, and my username is at Nona, not Nora. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can connect Love with it. me there. Love it. Thank you so much for being here. This has been so encouraging. I'm walking away encouraged and I know anyone listening will as well. So thank you so much for your time, for your energy and for the wisdom that you brought today. Thank you for having me. This has been great. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. 
To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.